Welcome, everybody, to Flickr Effect, episode 299. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday, July 28th. I'm David Lotz. Joining me this episode is Bobby Jackson. Hey, what's up, everybody? Yasha Wilson. Hey, 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 everybody. And Michelle Hilly. Hello, everyone. Hi. What's up, guys? Uh, this week, or this episode, we're going to be talking primarily about San Diego Comic-Con. Finally. Finally, uh, to everyone listening at this point, you've probably heard most of the news that came out of Comic-Con, but we haven't really just kind of talked about our thoughts on it yet. I'm curious to hear what, well, I'm, I'm curious to hear what you guys think of some of the stuff we heard about, especially Marvel. And a couple of us went, not, not, not those of us here in Orlando, but what's up, what's up Bobby and Yasha? How was Comic-Con? California crew went. Oh, you know, it was okay. It was just, it was no big deal. Right. <laughs> was I? I'm sorry. Not buying that. I'm not no, going with that. I'm not really buying not, that. Not, not even a little bit. Okay. Um, I'll dive right in. It was amazing. Um, I had a blast every single day. You don't sleep. You barely eat, and you just constantly on this edge of your seat type of excitement when it comes to some of the panels that you see and entertainment from start to finish. That's how I felt. It was a blast. Would you, uh, comparing it to other years, anything like like better or worse about it or different? Or? Oh, wow. Let's see. Comparing it to some of the others that I've been to when it comes to the panels, um, Marvel just didn't disappoint. Like, let's just say it right out. They came, they saw, they conquered. They ran Hall H. Everybody in there seemed like they were waiting to see what Hall H uh, Marvel panel was going to do. Um, it just wasn't disappointing. I mean, the last time that we went and we spent the time in Hall H, uh, the whole crew was there, I believe. It was just that was exciting because DC was there as well, and they put on a hell of a show. They really know how to put on a, a teaser for for films as well. But just watching Marvel do it, like it was, it's almost like they rushed because they had so much they wanted to tell us. All right. Uh, Bobby, how was your con? It was awesome as it usually <laughs> is. I mean, the con is, is is one of those things where you know once the you get your ticket, it's just a waiting game. And then when that month rolls around, you're just your your anticipation ramps up and then when con happens, it's you're in the mix and everything in the outside world almost ceased to exist for that time that you're in San Diego for Comic-Con and you're just all about that and everything within that city. And it's just, there's so much to do during the day far as panels or far as activations. And then at night there's the nightlife and the places to go and see. And it's constantly uh, an, a, a time where you can run into either a celebrity or a, a, somebody you've seen on YouTube in the streets or at a restaurant just because everyone's essentially packed into the city. Um, and so it's easy to bump into people. And uh, obviously, as, as Yasha mentioned, the, the star of the weekend was the Marvel panel. And they 
had such a, a, a nice presentation that it was felt like a rock concert, but I'm sure we'll get to that in a minute. But the overall con to me in years past or comparing it, I felt like <clears throat> I can't remember the last time I went to preview night. I think it's maybe been a couple years, but for me, it felt like preview night was less crowded than I normally am used to. I was able to traverse the entire convention center from you know start to finish, essentially, from one end to the other. And it never felt like I was overcrowded. There's some congested areas, to be sure. But for the most part, it really felt like I was able to get around and check out everything I really needed to at least see on that first night of preview night. So it made the rest of the con that much more fun because I knew I didn't have to like try and find some time to make my way to the floor at some point. I was able to do different things and check out activations that were around the city. So that made it really, really cool. And I think I just had that much more fun this year at the con being able to go on that preview night than in years past. I'd like to add on to that in regards to what Bobby was saying in regards to the crowds. The crowds seem very um, palatable, um, just tolerable, maybe even is a better way of saying it. The preview night was fantastic. We were able to, I think, walk, lap the floor a couple of times. And then Thursday and Friday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday walking around, it was it was kind of the same. We were, we were really manageable. The one day that was not tolerable for me, and I was I, I legitimately felt over it, was Sunday. Sunday, for whatever reason, felt like it was a mad dash for every last bit of comic stuff um, before it ended. And I don't know if it was because everybody realized that it was the last day and, you know, everybody was on the floor, but it was chaos. Not really organized chaos either, like it can be, but it was chaos. And I, I don't know if Bobby felt the same way, but it's like I was really kind of relieved to get out. And I can deal with crowds fairly well. Like, it's not a big deep thing for me. Um, but I, I was really ready to leave after walking the floor on, on Sunday. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, Sunday was probably that last day where everyone's trying to get all their different things that they've either passed on the other few days or they're trying to uh, find some deals. And the floor absolutely felt more more full, more alive in that day with everyone seemed to be running around trying to get their last minute stuff before heading out. But it was most definitely the, the craziest day if not the busiest day, I'm sure Saturday was probably still the busiest day. But um, when you're in Saturday and pretty much in Hall H all day, you don't really notice the rest of the convention. So uh, it's for me, Sunday seemed to be the busiest day. Makes sense, I guess. But um, well, you guys have kind of both jumped uh, onto mentioning Marvel, so I'm I'm kind of curious how that how that went. I mean, that's that's the thing. <laughs> that was the thing. I mean, as we basically all know, they announced what uh, ten ten projects, eleven, <laughs> ten, I believe. Yeah, I think it. Well, if you include Blade, I think it's eleven. Sure. Yeah. Uh, sure. But uh, yeah, they kind of laid out a map of Phase Four, which is ten projects, and it includes uh, stuff for Disney Plus. So it's not just films. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's I mean, real quick, yeah, it's 
it's Black Widow, it's the the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Eternals, uh, Shang Chi, if I'm saying that right, uh, WandaVision, uh, the Doctor Strange sequel, Loki, What If, Hawkeye, and uh, Thor four, and uh, and then yeah, Blade as I already mentioned. Um, it was funny, like I I was kind of paying attention to stuff as the Marvel panel was happening. I think we were kind of in the middle of some things. Michelle and I, I don't know if we were driving at some point or in the middle of it. I remember it was this. The one thing I think of is like at one point, Michelle, I think you were looking at your phone and you saw that the title of Thor dropped and you were like, and I mean, this is from the perspective of not being in the panel, not really knowing what's happening. And, oh, they announced Thor four and it's called Thor love and thunder. And I think my reaction was, that's a fucking terrible title. (laughs) Yeah. What the the fuck is that? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Of course, like, the more I've learned about it, I'm like, okay, I guess. It makes sense. It makes sense. I get it. But my first reaction was like, that's. Oh, yeah, you were not feeling it. I'm like, what the hell is happening over there in San Diego? In Taiki, we trust. That's all I can say. I mean, that guy, when he was on stage, gave us so much energy. Like, I was just like, man, I wonder what he's like on set. Because he was, like, it didn't look like he could stand still. Like, really, out of excitement or just energy for the project or whatever. I love the theme already. Love and Thunder has this whole 80s rock, like, old-school metal band feel. Um, I'm, like, I'm really excited to see what he does. Because I love Ragnarok. Um, I know it's not going to have the same dynamic with, you know, Hulk there. But I'm hoping that it's just as funny. I'm hoping that we get a chance to see some really fun character interaction. And I'm hoping that we get some great music, too. I guess for me, the title didn't, it didn't sound terrible when I heard it. And it just, it just was, I was just like, okay, um, that I, that's interesting. But then knowing that it was Taika behind it, it, it made a weird sort of sense. And even though I couldn't quite figure out specifically what the title meant, just that announcement in and of itself was a, a big deal just because for one, not only did, uh, Taika and Chris Hemsworth came out on stage, but Tessa Thompson was there as well. So I, I didn't realize that Valkyrie would be in this next film. And then, of course, the kicker of it was when they brought Natalie Portman out, when uh, Taika said that the inspiration for this next movie is from Jason Aaron's run on Thor, where they introduce Jane Foster to be the female version of Thor. And so they're going to be following that. And I think they said that they will, they will refer to her as a mighty Thor as opposed to just Thor when she be, has that transformation happen. So that was pretty big and, and a pretty huge deal because one of the things I was trying to do, which was very difficult was uh, tweet out to our uh, Flickr effect account on Twitter, any of the different things that were happening and trying to take a picture at the same time. But it, some of the stuff started happening so fast, I couldn't I couldn't really keep up. But that one, where I was able to snap a picture of the screen where Natalie Portman is on stage holding a fake camera of Mjolnir, and um, I that must have been one of the most popular things that I tweeted out because it got like over a thousand likes and two hundred something retweets. So everybody seemed one thoroughly shocked by the news because there had been. If anyone's familiar with the situation, not that much love lost when Natalie Portman kind of left after 
Thor 2 because she wasn't really happy with uh, doing the character in the series. So for her to come back means that they obviously smooth things over, but maybe she's excited about the, either the storyline of what they're going to do with the character of Jane Foster or just the fact that Taika is directing it and maybe liking the results that she saw with Thor Ragnarok. So that was huge to see that happen in Hall H and everything that they were announcing. It was literally like Faye was a conductor and we were all at a concert and he was just playing us for notes because everything was just super exciting as it was announced and just the amount of diversity in front of the camera and behind the camera that was presented on the stage that day was super impressive. But um, yeah, so that Thor love and thunder I'm indifferent to the title, but I'm sure it will have meaning once I actually see the movie. Well, and you know, it, I think it's even just, it's, you take the title differently, even if it's you're exposed to it immediately by seeing the like the font, just that alone. Yeah, it's very mm-hmm. kind of helps. Like yeah. when, yeah. when Michelle's just like telling it to me, like, "Oh, Thor: Love and Thunder," it was just like, "What?" what? But then even just seeing the image of that '80s kind of rock, yeah, look, I'm like, yeah, oh. that helps. even that it was helps. like, okay, that helps. Yeah. <laughs> But um, of all that stuff that they announced, and yeah, they announced a bunch. Yeah. I mean, anything stood out as like the thing you're most excited about, or uh, any any other highlights you want to bring up about the Marvel panel, Bobby? For me, um, hmm, a lot of it stood out just because it's such an interesting thing. I guess what stood out to me the most was the fact that they're incorporating the Disney plus shows into their timeline as far as their release and their movies, making it so that essentially you have to maybe not have to, but it's going to be in your best interest to watch these shows because they're going to be tied in directly to the movies as was stated by when WandaVision comes out that that character and the things that she goes through in that series will lead into Doctor Strange's movie and the Multiverse of Madness, which I love that title, actually, just for all the implications it means and just because it has sort of a Lovecraftian kind of sound to it. But I think um, that's what stood out the most to me is just the the fact that uh, these things are going to go hand in hand together and that they're taking it as seriously as they do their movies so i'm it just makes me that much more excited for what they're doing there with disney plus and and knowing that i definitely have to be there day one just to just to be part of it and because i would have anyway but knowing these series and how integral they'll be into the mcu going forward it just makes it that much more interesting but uh i mean there's yeah it's hard to say like Anything that I would say that stood out, it maybe stood out just slightly above anything else because everything was so exciting to me in terms of what they were announcing just based on the cast or some of the concepts behind what they're probably going for in some of the movies. But I think the one that has my interest peaked the most right now um, is sort of a toss-up with between Shang-Chi and the Eternals. And I maybe give the edge to the Eternals just because of 
that it's one of those things where it's like Guardians of the Galaxy, where not that many people know of these characters, and uh, to be able to present them in a, in a different sort of way than people who maybe even know the characters are used to, I think it's exciting, and it, and it leads this to be in the next sort of big group team that we're going to be able to learn about and, and carry care about and the amount of talent that they have there, like Angelina Jolie and Selma Hayek and, um, the, uh, um, Brian Tyree Hill and Kamal Nanjiani. And there's so many people in that movie that it's just seems like it's going to be, something fantastic that I'm hoping that will um, be big for everybody once it comes out. But I would say those are my main standouts. I mean, everything really did stand out to me. It was just so much good stuff. But the way that they were able to present it is what I think, what I thought was part of the best part of it was that Kevin Feige came out and then he just gave you the the look of the, the timeline. And as one by one, he presented these things. And a lot of them, I don't, I don't think all of them, but a lot of them had logos and that the logos weren't just still f- pictures of a logo. They animated and they did different things to where you didn't know exactly what was getting ready to be announced because of the way that the logos were. There was music that accompanied the logo. Maybe it's the theme music of that particular project or whatever, but between that and the, the logos sort of... Um, transforming or doing different things within it and then it would present itself as whatever whatever the title was was so cool and to be able to make your whole entire presentation mostly logos and still do it in such an impressive way that really the only movie you actually had footage of which was black widow and that looked sort of like this Jason Bourne type amalgam of MCU mixed in with Civil War in a way that looks really, really good. Um, it's It just speaks to how well they have this whole thing down in terms of presentation and being able to get people hyped because everything just looked from top to bottom well put together and like it's something to get excited for. How about you, Yasha? What was your big takeaway or takeaways from the Marvel panel? Yeah, actually, um, I mean, I hate to echo Bobby, but it's like, I mean, I was really kind of about to say the same thing. Like, I'm toggling between uh, Shang-Chi, the Legend of the Ten Rings. I think that's going to be pivotal for the next few years when it comes to the Marvel Universe. And then the Eternals, just because so many people don't know about the Eternals, don't know who these people are, don't know who these characters are. And when the rumors started floating around that they're going to get Angelina Jolie to do this, I think it's I think that's pivotal. Cast a, a well-known actress that everybody absolutely loves and wants to and goes to see her work and basically get people sucked into supporting these roles. Um, but the talent that they have attached is is so much fun. Uh, Angelina Jolie, Richard Madden, Kamal uh, Nanjiani, like he's fantastic he's one of my favorite people and then Salma Hayek Brian Tyree Henry you know these people I mean it's just like the talent that they have attached to this this role and I I mean arguably I'm not gonna lie I I don't know that much about the Eternals I actually ended up watching like this five to seven minute video on YouTube the other day to kind of help recap my my memory of who the Eternals are and how important they are and what they do 
So I'm really excited to see how they incorporate them into the MCU. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how that movie rolls around. And Bobby's right. The Black Widow movie has this very Jason Bourne-esque type feel to it. The fight scenes are going to be pretty amazing. Um, everything just about the panel was a lot of fun. But Shang-Chi and um, the Eternals. I'm also really interested to see what they do with the Doctor Strange film. I don't want that to kind of fall into the wayside. But the whole title alone just sounds so much fun. The Multiverse of Madness and then how Kevin Feige verbally said this is going to be the first horror film in the MCU. Like, it's like, what does that mean? I mean, it's like, I mean, how much, how scary can you make it? It's going to be PG-13. You're not going to make it rated R. Right. Like, he actually said that. So it's like, I mean, how scary can this really be? But just that alone is is suspenseful it's intriguing it's like what are you going to do to with this character and the the title alone just i mean it's it's so much fun like and i like i said it's like i mean i'm, I'm right there with bobby where it's you know shang chi who who is an un, a rather unknown character as well as of late but has had a resurgence um and the eternals and i mean everything just looks really fun listening to what they're doing but it's great. I mean, the, into the, the the Doctor Strange movie is going to be led into by the WandaVision that's going to tie directly into the, that movie. So it's like they're taking their, their universe and putting it on online and the streaming service and really going to have all of this tie back together. And I'm excited to see what's going to happen. I will say from the outside, from outside the panel, I mean, from the stuff I've heard... Uh... Uh, there's something about WandaVision that piques my inter- interest and especially how indeed, you know, it's going to lead into the Doctor Strange sequel that mm-hmm. I don't know. I think of all the things listed as I'm sitting here looking at all the logos listed here on my computer in front of me like that. I think that's what I'm most excited about for some reason. And uh, of course, I mean, Thor 4 and, and you know that I've never read that run of Hawkeye that I mean, I would assume this seems like it's somewhat based on, based on the way, the look of that Hawkeye logo. Um, but I'd heard so many good things about it that there's something about that too. Just based on all the acclaim I heard about that run of Hawkeye in the comics, that was, it wasn't that long ago. Uh, no. That, uh, I don't know, that has me interested as well. I think I got the most excited, you know, obviously just to kind of get more information on, on Thor 4. I mean, I was pretty sure they were going to be doing a fourth one. That wasn't too shocking, but... Um, honestly, yeah, Doctor Strange, that one piqued my interest immediately when I read that title. And then later on to find out it was going to be the first horror movie, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. And then finding out that it's going to be tying into WandaVision, which I was also curious about that, but realizing that all that's going to tie together, I I got excited for that too. Um, I guess I'm going to have to get the Disney, Disney plus because... Oh, that's a must. <laughs> it's gonna have to happen now yeah. because I'm I'm all the shows that are going on. Like I want to see the I want to see them. <laughs> like this is this is gonna have to yeah, happen. I mean it it's gonna get it's yeah. I'm definitely gonna add that to my my billing cycle as well. I'm yeah. definitely going to the Disney streaming service and I'll buy the app. Whatever you know, yeah. they could start at what it's chart what Netflix charges, which is like what fourteen fifteen bucks a which month. Which is and going up actually it. in like a few weeks. Yeah, like, like I'd still do it. Um, I mean, and we didn't even get a chance to address Loki and, you know, some of those stories. And then the What If series, which is going to be animated, but all of the main actors that did their movie roles are coming to basically reprise their roles for the What If series is mind blowing. 
And that What If series, if you've ever read it, is phenomenal. Like, it's so much fun, and they can do so much with that storyline. All in all, I mean, honestly, the one... <laughs> I hate to say this, it's like... This is horrible to say, but the one that I'm not even super excited to see is the Falcon and the Winter, Winter Soldier. I feel like you would say that, yeah. And like, I, I get like, what I you're mean, saying. I totally get it. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm going to watch it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm definitely interested in it, but I'm not like amped. Like I'm really excited to see the What If stories because they have so many like obscure stories. Like one of my favorites that I remember reading was, "What if Wolverine was Lord of the Vampires?" What? <laughs> like, I mean, like, like right. if you're gonna do that as an ad, that was a gruesome freaking comic okay that was a very like 30 pages of just gruesome you know wolverine taking over the x-men killing everybody and they all coming back as the undead like that was brutal and like i'm super excited to see if they even entertain doing something like that but there's so many other what if stories that it just expands their you know their universe per se in a whole different type of direction and then you know like all of these just sound like so much fun and i think one like the loki one too like and bobby can attest to this as well one of the things that was most fun about the loki is he talks about he's like okay so you remember this when you the last time we saw loki and he goes to the end game where he disappears he's like so remember loki is this is the loki that you know we saw in the very first avengers and he disappeared with the Tesseract. So we get to see that Loki. Very cruel, very manipulative, undermining, and savage. And it's just like, oh yeah, he's like, this is before he's had basically his, you know, um, revision of basically being a, a almost like a good guy. Like, he's still very much the bad guy in this role. And it's like, that to me is intriguing as well. Because we're going to get to see that Loki in like his a little bit of adventures. Yeah, now he's the anti-hero. Right. Yeah. It was funny kind of experiencing the panel from the outside in a way because it was like, in one sense, I really wasn't actually paying a lot of attention to the news as it dropped just because uh, we were busy doing something else, I think, at the time. And then as some of the titles were coming out, um, a lot of these were things, especially this stuff for Disney Plus that we've basically heard via, you know, quote unquote rumors was going to happen. So they weren't like too surprising, like. Like, like WandaVision and, and Loki. Like Loki was not a and, surprise at all. And so as I'm kind of like hearing the news as it's coming out, random tweets, I'm like, you know, I'm half paying attention to the news as it's dropping. I'm like, okay, yeah, okay. All right, cool. All right. And then it was like not till the next morning, I think, that I like get on Twitter and I'm like, wait the fuck, Blade? What the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't even know like until the next morning. And it was just, that was... I don't know. Maybe I was as shocked as you guys were in the room. I don't know what it was like to to have Mahersha Ali come out and get announced as Blade out of nowhere. But yeah, that was pretty. That was pretty dope. That was a very well kept secret by them. I was gonna say that was definitely secretive for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like you said. It's we knew a decent amount of the stuff, but I think when you're in the room, even if you know or at least had an inclination of or inkling of what these movie projects were and, and and Disney Plus projects were, it's the way it was presented that did something extra to get you a little bit more excited about it. One, having it official, but two, um, either bringing out the cast for it or just getting into a little bit more information of what those 
projects will be about and, and how they're handled. Like the Black Widow one, it takes place after Civil War. And so there's that aspect of, okay, now I have a time frame in which this takes place. And same thing sort of with the WandaVision, that it takes place after Endgame. And so it's kind of like little bits of information sprinkled in there as well that we didn't know or were only guessing about which made those things that, at least if we already knew about those projects, it made it a little bit more exciting to learn just a little bit more information about them. But um, the whole thing with Mahershala Ali, that was the huge surprise just because it had, like, like Kevin Feige had said when he was on stage, nobody had rumored about it really. Nobody had sort of um, had any talk about it being part of the the presentation, so it was kept a secret pretty well. So when he came out on stage, I really was trying to figure out what he was coming out on stage for, because my mind did not go to Blade. I was just thinking if they were doing another Blade thing, it would have been probably with Wesley Snipes and more than likely on Hulu or something, not as a as a film. So I was really trying to figure it out, and then. Kevin was like, because everybody at the at that time had um, Black Widow hats on because they gave them out to everybody in the audience. And so with everyone on stage wearing a Black Widow cap, um, Kevin said, Mahershala, you brought your own cap with you. What, what, are you. what are you wearing? And then he takes it all out of his pocket or jacket and puts it on. And then you could see on stage there was like a, a Blade animated sort of logo that came on. And then that's when everyone kind of lost their crap. And so <laughs> it was pretty it was pretty exciting at that point once that was revealed. And then I think in a news thing later on, Kevin Feige talked about how that came to be. And it was basically, I think what happened was after Mahershala won the Oscar for Green Book, he essentially called a meeting with Marvel and told them that he wanted to play Blade. And and Kevin was like, sure, Marshall, whatever you want, let's do it. And, and that's kind of how it happened. And um, yeah, initially I was like, man, I wonder what Wesley Snipes would think about it. And then Wesley, a couple days after, ended up tweeting out that it was all good, really. And, and you know, not that, that anyone should be mad about it and they should be happy. And so it's like, well, that's pretty good, you know, for him not to be bitter or mad. And, and who knows what that could mean for him in terms of maybe he has a cameo. Maybe he could be my thought would be like, oh, well, maybe they could just make him the new whistler. And then he could be the proto, you know, the person who trains Blade or something, the Marshall Ali version. But there's just so many different things that that could mean for him, either in a future Marvel project or in the Blade project. But it was just good to see that he didn't have any sort of hard feelings or bitterness towards it. Yeah. I didn't realize that they walked him out first and then announced it. That's kind of cool. Really? No, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was interesting. It was just like they, Kevin just said, uh, well, bringing out to the stage two-time Oscar winner Mahershala Ali. And he just walked out. And so you just didn't know why he was there until he, put on the hat and the, and the logo came up so it was, it was pretty cool i think it's funny i thought i had heard some rumbling somewhere people were like oh well this must like exist in like some separate universe or something like it's not going to be part of the regular <laughs> mcu timeline like oh we haven't been, we haven't seen vampires yet so i'm like just because you haven't seen vampires oh, in a in a random mcu movie doesn't mean they're not there <laughs> right yeah. it's just such a funny argument to me that's silly 
Um, it's interesting too, just because the that came at the tail end when they did the 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 reveal for Blade, but the lead up to that, Kevin Feige was sort of wrapping up the the panel with everyone on stage because he brought out everyone from all the projects he announced right. all on stage at the same time. So you had all that talent there at one at one time, and he was like, you know. I didn't even get to talk about uh, Fantastic Four. And I didn't get to talk about Captain Marvel 2 or Black Panther 2 or Guardians of the Galaxy 3 or, or mutants. mutants. And yeah. so he said mutants. He didn't say X-Men. He said mutants. So it was like interesting that he used that, that uh, phrase as opposed to just calling them X-Men. So it's like is the next movie. And he said in in an article, I think recently over Comic-Con weekend, that their approach to doing the X-Men would be different than what Fox has done, which leads me into this other aspect of what I love about Comic-Con is that it seems like every year I go to Comic-Con, it, it reignites that aspect of me that was a comic book collector back in the day that read comics all the time and (laughs) this year was no different because there had been a lot of buzz behind there being an x-men um refresh so to speak not a not a reboot not a redo or anything it still keeps its continuity but they're just essentially making it more accessible to people who've never read it or who have read it in the past and just changing up the dynamic with uh, Jonathan Hickman doing the writing and he's known as such a prolific writer for Marvel and handling big franchises and really doing something transformative with it and uh, the first issue for it which is called House of X number one came out last week and being at Comic Con and hearing that buzz it kind of made me want to read it so I, I I did read it over the weekend and it it's so different than any X-Men book I've ever read. And uh, it makes me think that this could easily be a template in which a way they could introduce the X-Men into the MCU based on the way that they did the comic. And it would be such an interesting way. And I could see why they would maybe just call it mutants instead of X-Men. So yeah, it definitely made me excited and, and I'm still questioning and and really curious now as to what d23 will offer because they will have on friday a panel for the disney streaming service and then on their saturday they're supposed to talk about movies as well so i don't know if they'll introduce a phase five or if they'll just get deeper into stuff they already announced but it's i i'm my mind is a like all over the place in terms of what they could possibly do at D23 now. Oh, that was going to be my next question. Like, does everybody think that that's what they're going to do at D23? Like basically announce all this stuff that it's like, I can't believe they didn't touch on, especially it stands out to me, Black Panther 2. I'm like, right, that movie yeah. made such a ridiculous amount of money. It was such a success for Marvel. They're obviously, we know they're making another one, but like to come away from Comic-Con and not hear anything about, okay, when is it coming and what's the title? Like, it was like, whoa, what the hell? Yeah, but uh, but like you said, D23 is coming up. I have to imagine that's going to come up at D23. And then I'm curious, like, will will stuff that gets announced, if if stuff gets announced at D23, like, 
like a Black Panther 2 date and title and some other stuff will it be like included in like an extent more phase four or are they going to call it phase five and and then deep down what does it matter like you know when they, <laughs> they give it these because it's it's interesting that in phase one two and three it kind of made natural sense that they're like okay we call this a phase because it kind of ends with an avengers movie if are they going to if they're going to continue to use this format of we're calling everything phases, like it seems like you would continue with that. Like it's, it ends on a big note, Mm -hmm. but as it stands right now, when you look at what they're calling phase four, just okay. It ends with Thor four, which will be great. I hope, but not like a big, like group effort kind of film anyway. Yeah. And I don't think that the, the general public pays attention to phases at all. I mean, it's only the people like us. So yeah, it doesn't, in general matter but it it's it does make you wonder where it's leading to and he did say that um throughout phase four it will seed what's to come in terms of the bit next big threat so i guess that will play its part in four and then also in five and he mentioned that when that graphic went up for the timeline he did say that everything you saw which will be for the next two years is the totality of phase four so whatever would come next would be five with all the different uh black panther 2 and captain marvel and all the other stuff so um phase four being two years is also different in terms of like how long a lot of the phases have lasted in the past so it's kind of new territory as he said this infinity saga is over and now it's all about new beginnings and introducing new characters and building that towards something as well. Well, we got a little time left. Uh, what else out of Comic-Con did you guys want to talk about Bobby or Yasha? Just jump right in. I'm just going to put it out there. The Picard panel was awesome. Aww. Michelle, you would have freaked <laughs> the hell out. The Picard panel was awesome. I'm really jealous. <laughs> but Picard tell me about was it. out there, Brent Spinner. Like, I mean, it was the place went crazy when he came out on stage and when they played the trailer. It just went mm. crazy. I'm I'm so looking forward to that. I can't even. Oh God, I'm I yeah. I'm glad that we have CBS All Access. <laughs> I'm glad yeah, I have CBS um, All Access because I don't get CBS anymore, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah, right. So I, I read know. somewhere that... That's a whole other um, thing. That because it's not available, uh, that uh, it made the signups for CBS All Access go up a lot. <laughs> it spiked because of the people not being able to get regular CBS on their... Uh, satellite service or uh, cable service but um yeah i would agree that picard was it was something special i mean the patrick stewart got such an ovation and it's it's such a beloved character and that crew to learn of some of the cast members that'll be coming back and just the trailer itself actually looking good that it makes you want to see the the series as well that uh between that and then discovery and their third season of where the possibilities for that lies and then even the animated show that they have coming out look pretty interesting and and fun in a way that i haven't seen a star trek series before so 
that looks like it's going to be a lot of fun, that it really is starting to build out a corner for CBS All mm-hmm. Access with the, the their whole Star Trek stuff. And that's only just you know, the beginning, I imagine. Right. Uh, they, go ahead. I was going to say uh, one of the other or two of the other things that I want to shout out from Comic-Con that I, I enjoyed was one getting to see Tom Cruise come out and present the trailer for Top Gun was pretty yep. awesome. He didn't say much other than introduce it and just thank everybody for coming and, and, and you know, supporting. But I mean, He's a megastar, and seeing someone like that on the stage at, at Hall H was pretty awesome, and just that trailer in general. I mean, he did make a point to say, like, all the aerial maneuvers that you see were filmed in in, in real life. You know, there weren't any CG going on there or any of those uh, other sort of camera tricks. It was legit stuff. So uh, you see the in the trailer, there's a scene where the plane is taken off from the the aircraft carrier and it's Tom Cruise and <laughs> doing his Tom Cruise thing where it's actually him doing the stunts and being in the cockpit of the plane that, uh, I mean, he has a pilot's license, so he actually was flying the plane, which is just nuts. But it just looks like it has that old school Top Gun feel to it. And I don't know, it looks like it'll be one of those things where I, I think people who aren't aware of it are now and then as it ramps up to it it looks like it's going to be it looks good it looks like it's going to be good just from just the, the aerial maneuvers alone just seeing the planes doing their thing it just looked pretty awesome well and he always brings such energy to a room anyways no matter where he goes so I can only imagine how like amped up everybody got once he got on stage yeah and yeah, I mean, I remember seeing him on stage at Hull Age for Edge of Tomorrow. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, he definitely doesn't give you that vibe you get from some celebrities who you can tell are like, oh, we're just here to be here. Like, because I have to be like, no, he even if that is why he's there, <laughs> he sure doesn't act like it. Like right. He, right. he acts like he is genuinely like super happy that all these people are here and that he's promoting that like he just i don't know i mean he only yeah. takes on projects that he absolutely loves to do like he doesn't just take on a project just because he's like oh yeah i guess i should fulfill this or oh i promised so and so i'd be there like he only does it if he wants to do it right. like he he genuinely loves what he does and so yeah i can only imagine how excited he would be yeah for this well one of the other things that um i really did like and was happy, honestly, super happy to have seen was the Terminator panel because I had been very much on the fence in terms of what we were going to get with this. I liked the idea that you had the guy from the John Wick series and Deadpool directing. Um, so that was that was cool to at least know that much. Actually, I don't think he did John Wick, but he did do Deadpool. I was going to say, but, I didn't um, think he did, but go ahead. Yeah, no. But yeah, so um, them coming out on stage and, and having Linda Hamilton out there and Arnold Schwarzenegger and the other uh, new cast members, Gabriel Luna, and I can't remember the other two, but um, it was cool just to see them present the footage. And, and, and I don't know if it was a new trailer, but it was a lot more 
shown in depth in terms of what we're getting. And it just all looks so impressive, more polished than the initial trailer looked, that it got me excited after the panel. And just in general, in the panel alone, Arnold Schwarzenegger, he's very charismatic and funny. And like they were having this riff back and forth between him and the director and just so much fun in that panel. But um, it really did leave an impression on me after that panel to say, okay, they've, they've done something for me that I didn't know that they would be able to do, which is swing me over to their side and anticipating the movie more so than I was going into it. Did did you t- did you go to the uh, panel, Yasha? I did, and I, I feel a lot uh, the, the same way what that Bobby did. Like I was interested, to say the least, when it came to the ter- new Terminator movie. I was just kind of like, all right, like what else could we possibly do with this story? Like, do we really need another one? Okay, Linda Hamilton's coming back. That's fine. I still wasn't totally bought in after watching the panel and watching some of the scenes and hearing them talk about it. I, I'm I'm excited. I, I'm really looking forward to seeing this movie. Like it can't get here soon enough. I'm, I'm I think it's going to be a site site re, rebranding or um, refurbishing of the uh, the Terminator franchise. I think it's just going to be a lot of fun, and I'm really excited to. I'm more excited now than I was when I first saw the trailer. Mm. I think and a I lot was, of people are going to feel like that too. I was really surprised that when they said that Edward Furlong was coming back to reprise yeah. his role as John Connor, I was not expecting that at all because I can't remember the last time I seen him any in anything or just in general, like to even know yeah. what he looks like nowadays. So yeah. for him to be announced as coming back, he wasn't at the panel, but he was announced that he's going to be in the movie. So they didn't show any scenes with him in it. So it's very curious as to how big his role will be in the movie, but it's just kind of cool that at least they got that original actor and bringing him back for that iconic role. Yeah. Yeah. That movie. I mean, I wasn't at the panel. It would have to do a lot in terms of marketing to get me excited <laughs> right now. Cause yeah, for I sure. Mean, obviously I wasn't there and you, it's good to hear that you guys are more pumped about it, but like right now where I am and the look Michelle's giving I'm me, like, I think she's yeah. in the same boat. I'm like, eh. for sure. I'm definitely, like, yeah. I'm going to watch it. I guess. <laughs> right. I'm yeah, just, no, I would feel the same way. So far, I'm just kind of like, I guess those are two and a half hours. I'm not getting back, but okay. I mean, we don't know what kind of role he's going to have. Like, that's like the interesting part that they never showed it. So he could be kind of like uh, a Christian Bale role where he was this, you know, badass and just kind of off the side. Or maybe he's he's been attacked so many times, he's almost like a decrepit type of character and almost like just a, a body and a mind and you know machine is keeping him alive type of situation machines are keeping him alive we don't know what they're doing so it could be any one of those things it could be just it's interesting to see what they're doing when it comes to bringing him back yeah <laughs> <laughs> like my i'm curious but i'm not excited right so uh any, anything else guys um, I'm trying to think if there was any specific thing that we saw that was like an installation that was cool, but honestly, we didn't get to go to too many of the ones that they had that were specific to any of the TV shows or projects kind of just walked around them as opposed to standing in the lines mm-hmm. for any of them. Cause 
that can be a thing in and of itself where you oh, kind of yeah. would really need to dedicate a day or time to do that because they those lines get long quick and then you're kind of out of luck for the day if you really want to do some of it. But um, it was fun just to sort of see the people lined up for things and, and being interested. And I think, David, you would have appreciated the weather because there was a couple of hot days, but the, there was a breeze. <laughs> That's there was a breeze. That's so cute. That, no, no, no. I'm saying you would appreciate it because the days were would have been perfect for you because of how you feel about the weather that's in Orlando. So you coming here would have been perfect for you in terms of that breeze that's still coming through off the water while it was what would be considered a hot day for anyone that lives here. But you would have been like eating it up because oh. it would have been perfect for you. I usually do every year. I was gonna say. Yeah. Even the year, I, what, I, I think it was like two or three years ago. Whenever, I do remember of the Comic-Cons I've been to. It was definitely warmer. I think yeah. it was the, my first you were, one. Yeah, you were there. Michelle. It was my first yeah. one. That and one was, it but, was hot. But even even that, yeah. I was still like, please, I will oh, take yeah. this all summer long yeah. back here in Florida <laughs> yeah. if I could get it. Like, this is, the, this is nothing. And it was, I remember because it was the day that we sat, so it was Friday, because we sat on the marina all mm-hmm. dang day. Yeah. And that was the hottest day of that whole Comic-Con, too, was yeah. Friday. It, of course. Like, Shocking. Ugh. Right. Ah, I remember that. It was a good good break in for me. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was it was weird. It was weird, but it, for some reason it was weird, but it wasn't not being there this year. I don't know why. I think maybe in a lot of ways it was other than Marvel and there wasn't as much, you know, obviously a lot of the big studios weren't there this this right. year. So, and I was kind of paying attention, but I felt a more kind of disconnected from it this mm-hmm. year than usual. So um, maybe I maybe I was doing that on purpose as to not just like bum myself out. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but uh, but hopefully I'll be there next year. We'll see. Yeah, I yeah, mean, it's all- I was just gonna say like I think I, I was kind of the same way. I thought I was gonna be really super bummed out, but I really wasn't too bad. If, yeah. And I think it's just because I was like, really, the things I'm interested in, the main one being Marvel. I'm like, okay, so that's basically one big panel. But I'm like, everything else is interesting, but I'm not like heartbroken over everything, honestly. And I don't know. I think if anything, it's more like I miss the trip out to California. I miss the weather. I miss that city. I miss hanging out with you guys. You know, like that's what I was longing for the most and i do just i miss i think the the overall atmosphere being yeah that comic yeah i know kind of like what you said bobby where every year you go you feel like you have this renewed you know desire to going back to actually reading comic books and i've been the same way every year and maybe i don't you know stay with it throughout the year but yeah every year i come back from san diego thinking man i'm gonna buy a bunch of digital comics or actually go to a comic book store and start picking some stuff up maybe i'll get some subscriptions again you know but Yeah. yeah Yeah, that's the the best thing about it is really you get swept up in it. And and for me, every year, it never fails that after that weekend and that Monday hits, there's that withdrawal that happens. And it usually takes me, and, and sure enough, this year is the same, it usually takes me a full week before I really feel back to sort of a, a normal kind of uh, way of life. Because when you're there that entire time from Wednesday to Sunday – it's almost like you're there the whole week. So then when you come back to work on a Monday and you're just kind of back to that normal routine and grind, you miss the 
the atmosphere and the camaraderie and everything else that goes on during that time that you're in San Diego to where it, it really feels like it takes uh, a few days just to be able to get back into the swing of things that are just normal life because it's so heightened once you're in San Diego for Comic-Con. Right. Well, yeah, instead, Michelle and I have just been now still getting ready for Dragon Con, so we got that coming up. We were in full Dragon Con mode. Yeah. Somebody bought material to make a costume today. Uh, I went to a fabric store today. Yeah. <laughs> Things are happening. Yeah, that's where we are. So Dragon Con. San Diego Dragon next year. Con. And when's Dragon Con? Dragon Con October. is Labor Day weekend so, every year. Okay. To so the end of so, August, first, first, of, first September. Last weekend of August, yeah, first weekend of September. Kind yeah. of time. So yeah, we're, so li- we're literally thirty. You know we're literally right now. We're thirty-two days away from it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We're we are we are one month away from Dragon Con. And it's it's always interesting too because it kind of takes over downtown Atlanta at the same weekend that the Chick Fil A, I think it's called Chick Fil A, like college football kickoff yeah. game takes place yep. in Atlanta with Georgia. So you get an interesting mix of a bunch of football mm. fans and a bunch yeah. of yeah cosplayers geeks and cosplayers and nerds and like, it's, a, it's a weird it's a weird time to be in atlanta there's a lot of you know college kids and and football 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 you know and then there's the alumni for the teams and then there's all these really weird geeky people walking around in cosplay you can like, tell that there's there's i mean for the most part the hotels we're in are completely taken over by oh, people for totally dragon con but i have you know you come across the random person that managed to somehow get a room in this hotel that Right. is there for the game. Like Saturday mornings are kind of fun to like sit in the lobby because then you see them coming the, down the elevators and they're just like, like what, what the happening? hell did we sign up for when we got to this hotel? And you're like, yeah, it's an interesting weekend for you to be here. Sorry. <laughs> well, guys, I'm glad you had a good time in San Diego. Just being out Thanks. there. Uh, yeah. Be next, out there again. next year. Next year. Be out there again soon. Next year. Party of four. Yeah, and the way it seems to go, it's like... I don't know. I, I I always forget to write it down, but it seems like after Comic Con, it's like two months later, and they're already doing open registration or registration for yeah. you know yeah. the next year. So it's not. I, I always forget when it is, but yeah, it always seems like it's earlier than I think. I think it should be in my head. So well, and going back a- to Dragon Con, that's the craziest thing about Dragon Con is that it's. It's immediate. I mean, you can, well, first you can register for the next year's con on site. Like on Monday, I think you can. Yeah, yeah but, not, but, it's, but with, with Dragon Con, it's, it's always been the big, like the big thing isn't so much getting a badge, it's getting a hotel room because yeah. you, know, you want to stay right there at the con. And I mean, they don't waste any time booking hotels. Like Ooh. a couple of the, hot- I mean, some of them do legacy bookings where you can, if you have a room, you can go ahead and book your room for the next year. Or if even if I think one of the hotels that doesn't, I mean, they are literally booking like two days later or a day after the con ends. There's one that drops on Mondays now. Yeah, and then there's mm-hmm. the others drop all three days later. Marriott's the holdout. That's the one that hangs out for like it's a like, month. Marriott's usually like October. Yeah. And then but, it finally opens it up. It's but it's weird. like, it's one of those things like you just got out of con. You just spent all this money at con. <laughs> it's like the, the last thing you kind of want to have to do is because you want to go the next year, but you're like, God, do I really have to go ahead and book this right now? Like, mm-hmm. It's kind of frustrating. Yeah. Like you just want to jump on that hype that you have, that you just experienced <laughs> this con and you yeah, do. Your, your bank account quickly pulls you back yeah. to reality. Oh God. Yeah. I can imagine. <laughs> 
Anyway, well, thanks guys for the little recap of San Diego. Yeah. And uh, absolutely. With, the, with that, we're going to wrap things up. As always, we'd love to hear back from anyone, anyone listening. You can email us at feedback at flickereffect.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at flicker underscore effect. Uh, and look out for our next episode, which will drop pretty soon because we're going to record it next, episode 300. Uh, it's going to be our 300? It's going to be our 300th episode. A Tarantino oh, for 300? Shit. We're going to talk about... Uh, the, we haven't had a chance to talk about The Lion King yet since uh, mm. we didn't get to record that that weekend. And yeah, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So we'll be talking about that in episode 300. So look for that. With that, I'm David Lott. I'm Bobby Jackson. I'm Yasha Wilson. And I'm Michelle Hillard. Thanks for listening. Thank you.